0: Welcome to the Victory Church podcast. If you want more information about Victory Church Bendigo, contact us via our email info at victorycc.com.au or check out our social media pages in the description below. We hope you enjoy this message. While I was on holidays, I reflected on a strange observation that I had. In the morning, I woke up. And uh, we stayed at this resort and in our room, there was two queen-size beds. And Jenny and I are that age where, you know what? It's nice to have your own bed. (laughs) I am six foot three, a bit gangly, and we have a king bed at home. Who has a king bed at home? Do you know what it's like to go back to a queen? It is hard work, okay? You looking at me like I'm strange. It is hard work to go back to a queen bed when you're used to a king and not touching someone and being, I've got my own little area. And so we decided that, you know, it must be the age because, you know, you know, when you're getting old, you start sleeping in separate beds because my grandparents used to do that. And so I said, look, we're going to sleep in separate beds. It was wonderful. It was great. I got to sleep well. I woke up in the morning and I didn't know my whole life. I still snored. It is 100%. But uh, what I did was I opened up a Bible and I read my Bible. and just prayed and I just just prayed and just spent a time with God. And then I uh, went down to breakfast, so uh, buffet breakfast and went down and had that, which was really nice. And then we went for a walk along the beach and uh, came back, went for a swim it was fantastic. Then, I you know, just rested for a little while. Then went out for lunch and, you know, came back and I had to have a sleep in the afternoon. Oh, that's, that's the age I'm getting yeah, to. Yeah. Sound yeah. like an old man, you know, I had to have a sleep. Had a great yeah. afternoon sleep. How many like afternoon sleeps? Yay. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> that's just the best. So I had an afternoon sleep and then uh, after that went to the gym and uh, so went to the gym, did all that stuff and then we went out for coffee and then we went out for dinner that night. It was great. just a great day. But on reflection of the day, it would be very easy to think that the day was spent in time with God, where I'm I'm with God, and then time without God. This was a time with God through my devotional life, through my reading of a word through my prayer that God was involved in that but the other things which I did the day the walk on the beach, the swim the, 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 the going out for lunch doing all that stuff was like different it was like not with God and I suppose if you were to look at it you could say there's God's time and then there's my time and my time is fun and it's my rest and maybe God's not really that interested in it and if we get getting a psychological assessment, we'd say we would compartmentalise in our lives. We're two things that can't come together or we, we have a conflict with, we kind of keep separate. And if you were to define it, I suppose you could say it's both what we would call the sacred and secular. That we do things which are really sacred and when we do things which are secular, if not really sure what the word sacred means, it means it's something that is dedicated or set apart for the service or worship of a deity. Right? And so you could kind of look and go through your day and say, well, what I'm doing here when I'm reading a word praying is sacred, but what I do the rest of the day is really secular. And you could live in that realm and in that kind of thought and idea that what I there's some things that really matter to God like this, but the rest of the day doesn't really matter to God. And I suppose as I was going through, I started to think about the things you could say you might think are sacred. Praying is sacred. Eating breakfast would be secular. Reading his word is sacred. Walking the beach is secular. And it could be very easy to surmise that some things are sacred or spiritual and really matter to God. And that other things are secular and by implication don't really matter to God. My devotion with God matters, but does my walk on the beach with my wife matter? Such an interesting question. The Bible does distinguish between both secular and sacred. Uh, the Bible speaks about those who are set apart. In other words, those who are sanctified for a purpose. The very word church uh, is ecclesia, uh, and it means a called out assembly. Uh, those people that are part of that are called sacred. And so we are a sacred people unto God. So the Bible tells us this that we are set apart for God, for his purpose. Jeremiah 1, verse 5, God speaks to Jeremiah and says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nation. See, you were set apart to be sacred and used by God. Whoever you are in this room, if you're a believer, you are set apart to be used by God, all of you. Because it's easy to think and you go, yeah, 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 I'm set apart for God when I do this. When I read the Word, when I'm praying, that's a part that's set apart for God. But actually the reality is all of you, every part of you, everything that you are has been set apart to be sacred before God. And sometimes we get this thing where we go, there's a secular and sacred divide. We compartmentalize activities into categories of secular and sacred, and it creates a problem because we compartmentalize his time, which he really cares about when we're praying and in the word, and our time, which he doesn't seem to have any real interest in. And many times when it comes to worship, we actually see worship in a very narrow vein. It's when we're spending time with God in his word, praying, reading, coming to church and all these things. But what is secular is up to us and in our time and God is not interested. We have to be so careful with this idea of sec- sacred and secular because we actually don't just end compartmentalizing our lives, but we compartmentalize God. And we put God in a little component of our life. We have a God part of our life. We have a work part of our life and a social part of our life. Cut our life into little pieces. And if we're not careful, God can become just a time slot in your day. That's my God time and this is my me time. And we shut him out from the vast majority of our lives, living like he has no interest or no cares about what we do in the day-to-day. We live like it's just a little part of our lives. Now, when Jesus was asked this, what was the greatest commandment? What was his reply? He had this incredible reply. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Matthew 22, 37. It's a follow-on from Deuteronomy 6, 5. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, And with all your strength. When Jesus was telling us how we're to live our lives for Him, He didn't say, You'd love me with half your heart, half your mind, half your strength. All the bits left over after you've done all the things that you need to do, give me those bits. No, he says, love me with everything that you have inside of you. Everything that you have, every bit of energy, every bit of strength, every bit of life, give it all to me to worship me. This is what he says. And so when we actually look through scripture, we see that God is looking for an all-encompassing thing about making our whole life sacred. Because if you get stuck in this, that's secular and that's sacred, we run the risk of compartmentalizing God into such a small criteria of our life, which matters to him. But the rest of our life, we live independent, doing our own thing, in our time, in our place, without realizing we're to commit 100% to everything that God has for our life. Are you hearing me this morning? Are you hearing me this spot? God wants 100% of you. He's not interested in 90%, 50%, 20%, 10%. He wants 100% commitment. And I'll say this to you. Unless you give him 100% commitment, you will never get the best of what he has to give you. Partially commitment will not make it. You will not get the benefit you think you will. He wants you to be sold out to him. 100% committed, giving your whole life. That's why when we read the book of Romans, the book of Romans is an incredible book. Romans 12, chapter one. I love, I love how this is framed. Oof. I love how this is framed. What incredible place. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He writes to the church he says guys god wants everything about you. he wants all of you he wants every part of you coming together and that's what he finds as worship so when you break up your world and say well i have the secular and then i have my side and my life and what i do it's not the sacrifice that he's after he wants 100% of your life each and every moment of your life living in every moment in his presence in worship to him that's what he's after 100% commitment He's after that. He's after that. He doesn't want a partial commitment. And that's why Paul writes and he encourages Jews, to give 100% everything you have, every moment of every day in worship to me. but Sometimes we may struggle a little bit with how that looks like. Someone put it a little bit like this. Biblical worship is the full life acknowledgement, head, heart and hands of who God is and what he's done. That's how we live. We live acknowledging who God is, what He's done, how He's outworked in our life. This means that even as we move through our daily routines, we can honour God and perform mundane tasks for His sake. This is one of the reasons Paul writes something in the New Testament around your workplace. Now, I've got a whiteboard here. Sorry, I'm just going to grab my whiteboard. I didn't want it out here because it looks comfy. Are you still there? That's going to block some people's ears. What do you want to add? Okay, the average Australian, how many hours a week does the average Australian work? Some of you are not sure. (laughs) Well, some not at all. But if the average Australian works 32.4 hours per week, the average Australian. All right, so I've got this off the ABS statistics today. 32.4 hours a week you're going to spend in a workplace somewhere working, doing what you do. Okay, as a Christian in your devotional life, let's just look at this really quickly. Okay, you wake up every morning and you spend an hour with God. Yes? Which one it? Okay, so if we do that seven it's days a week because it's you're so deeply deep spiritual people, deep. are spending an hour with Jesus. Okay, so we're going to give you a credit for seven hours. Okay, I'll give you a credit. And then let's just suppose you turn up at church. How many? We'll give you two hours for that. Yes? All right. And then what we'll do is, why don't we add in, you know, you turn up for something midweek. I'll give you three hours credit. Okay. So if we look at this, map, we're going to do some quick maths. All right, is everyone ready? What's seven plus two? Sorry? Nine? Good, good. Plus three? Okay, so if we added this up, in our devotional life and our commitment to God, it could look like we're going to spend 12 hours in doing this, reading his word, praying, coming to church, doing all this, but the vast majority of our time, I would suggest, is actually going to be spent in a workplace. Do we all understand that The vast majority of what you do is going to be here, not here. And so if our life is that this is where God is and this is where he isn't, let me tell you this, you'll live most of your life feeling like God isn't around. This is why when it comes to this, we have to understand Paul writes to the uh, Colossian church. He says this, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart. as working for the Lord, not for human masters. master, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. It goes on in Ephesians, says this. Render in service with a goodwill as to the Lord and not to men. He writes and he says, hey, let me tell you something, church. You've got to see that what you do in the everyday counts. The way you act in your workplace counts. The way in which you interact with people, whether it be your boss whether it be the people that come through the door as customers, it matters to God. It's an act of worship to him. And if you get the principle and understand that he's not contained in this portion here, he's in this portion as well, of you're going to live a life with a very limited God. And he says to the church, church, come on, you need to wake up to the responsibility that you have to worship him. When you worship him by being the best employee that you can be and working hard and showing who Jesus is and what he looks like in someone's life, who's transformed. You're worshiping him. That's why you need to be the best employee in your workplace, not the laziest, not the most gossipy. Not the person that's always complaining. You need to be the best representation of Jesus Christ in your workplace. So people will look and go, wow, there's something about that person. I don't know I don't know much about it, but there's something about them. Hey, when customers walk through the door, you've got to treat them as Jesus does, cherishing them, who you're called to serve them, and this should invigorate the way in which you work around them. Uh, what are you here for? I don't know, I <laughs> serve this guy, this guy's a problem. Or you can have the attitude that's an act of worship, I'm going to serve this person, I'm going to get in their world, I'm going to help them do the best they can, and I'm going to brighten their day, and I'm going to be cheerful, and I'm going to do this with a grateful heart, and I'm not going to complain and winch when it's been a little bit difficult, I'm going to make a difference. It's what Paul writes and he says, hey, you can live in one or two realms where you can find God to a portion of your life and you miss the majority of it, or you can make a choice and a decision to say, no, I choose to worship God with my whole life with every day, with every moment, with every interaction, with every person I meet, I choose to worship God. you want know how far Paul takes it? 2 Thessalonians 3. I love this. It says this, For when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear some song, you are idle and destructive. They are busy. They are busy bodies.'" Hm. Such people, we command and urge you in the, name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. He's right into the church because some people had this thing that Jesus is coming back and we're going to be deeply spiritual. Yeah, right. And we're going to be deeply spiritual by just not working and, and doing the Lord's work. And he says, No, no, get off your backside and start working. Because your working is just as spiritual and sacred before God as if you want to do the two, it's just as spiritual and sacred. He says, hey, this is why he does this rule. He says, hey, if you're not going to work, don't eat. Get back to work. Do something. In it, God is glorified. Don't forget that Jesus was a carpenter. And the first thing we see is that this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. All he had done is work. It's easy to spend a life compartmentalizing where God fits. We carry God into the places, but we do carry God into the places we work, shop, eat, spend time at. No longer should we separate our church and our spiritual world with everything else, but we welcome God's presence into every aspect of our lives. That wherever I am, I carry the presence, the power, the spirit, the anointing, and a spirit of worship to God. And everything that I do, I'm going to make the secular sacred. Why? Because God makes people sacred, not objects or things. He makes people sacred. And where you are, and you take that, and you have a heart to worship God, it will make the secular sacred, and people will look on and see a difference. This is how far he takes it. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. He's talking about eating and drinking. He's saying even in your eating and drinking, you can bring glory to God. This is just crazy. Now, he's talking about food that was being sacrificed to items in the marketplace and, and how that was affecting people. But he says, whatever you do in life, you can do it to bring glory to God. Whatever you are doing, whatever situation you find yourself in, you can do it to God's glory. Sacred means set apart for worship, and you worship Him every day through what you do. i got a photo of me worshiping. I'm going to put it up here. This is me worshiping. You might say that doesn't look like a very washable photo, does it? Tell you what, this is I'm worshipping. Why? Because I was on holidays with my wife and I was thankful to God that I had the opportunity to go on holiday and I was full of gratefulness to God. God, it's so nice to be here in the sun because I like the sun. I don't like this winter. I love the sun. And I love it. And it's awesome. And I was walking along the beach with my wife strengthening my covenant of marriage going, this is cool that we get to spend time together. And we love one another and we like one another. And it's awesome and it's fantastic. You can carry wherever you go, making the things I'm mundane, very sacred, with a heart of thankfulness and joy and thankfulness to God, doesn't matter what you are doing, you can carry that spirit to make whatever is secular sacred before God. Just Father's Day today. Do you know what we're aware of that? You all aware of that Father's Day? I'm glad you're aware of it. Just making sure. You're probably going to go out for lunch. We're going out for lunch today, and we're we going out for lunch today. You have an opportunity. To worship God. It's now when you go to the table and you make your order, and they bring out your order. And normally, they're rushed and they're busy and they don't listen and they get your order wrong and they put the salad dressing on when you ask the salad dressing to the side. And you can choose to get upset, angry, and whatever, or well, you can choose to be thankful yeah. and with a great, wonderful spirit. Hey, have a conversation and encourage your waiter and say, hey, you're doing a great job. You're fantastic. Thanks so much for serving us. I appreciate you spending the time. You, you are the best. You can do it. Let me tell you, this week we are in Adelaide. We went to Adelaide this week. And uh, we were there. We went out for lunch. And there was a girl serving us at the table. Young girl. Young girl. And as she was serving us, we got talking. And at the end of the meal, we said, thank you so much. And we just started talking. She said, you know, I've got a problem, a neurological problem. A serious neurological problem. Do you know what opened the door was our thankfulness? Yeah. We were just thankful. And, and we started having a deep conversation. But these Pastor Nick will be able to go back there and see her and minister to her. But she said, can you pray for me? Wow! And it all came out of just being thankful. Because we live every moment where we can bring the sacred. We can bring the sacred into the secular. It was just a restaurant. It was just a meal. But we actually, through a heart of thankfulness and gratefulness to God, opened up an opportunity for the kingdom. Do you know, James one twenty seven 27 says this, religion. Now that word religion can be translated worship that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this: to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Your worship can be as simple as looking after other people. That can be your worship to God, looking after, putting other people first, loving on people. And to stop yourself from being polluted by the world is an act of worship. When you see things, you go, oh, I should not be looking at that. It's an act of worship when you choose to look away and say, hey, I'm not getting involved in that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to do that. Hey, this is what worship can look like. It's your whole life. Yeah. See, we can live our lives in a way that brings glory to God, and this is what the whole thing should be. It's in Matthew 5, 16. I'm going to finish. Let me get Joe back real quick. It says this, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That's what it says. What brings praise to God? It's when they see how we worship and how our worship has a practical element in how we live, and they see our good deeds, and out of that, they begin to what? Praise God! They begin to worship God. They begin to say how good He is. They begin to see what God is actually doing in our lives because... the. Let me say this, Christians, Jesus has got to be making a difference in our lives. We've got to be different. We've got to be different from the people around us. We've got to bring, not just, we just don't live secular. We just don't do God in the corner. Let me tell you something about this. No one is going to see you doing this. No one. No one's ever walked into my devotional life outside of my family. Maybe a couple of other people, but no one sees this. But people see, when I step into a restaurant or a coffee shop, how I treat people, how I act, whether I'm self-absorbed, whether it's all about me, they're never going to see that side of you, this side of you, you'll never see. But they're going to see this side of you, how you go about your life. How you carry yourself, what you do and don't do—they're going to see that sign. And that's why, when we lock God in to the certain sacred things that He's interested in, but the rest of my life He just leaves up to me, and I kind of do my own thing. We actually lock ourselves into a position where God has very little relevance in our lives. Can I encourage you? Romans twelve, present your bodies, your whole life, everything you have. In true because that's the true and proper worship God desires. He doesn't want a little bit of you. He doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you. And all of you includes everything that you're doing all the time, in every sphere and everything that you're doing, it can be an act of worship to him. I'm going to finish. I've gone way too long. I'm going to cut down my notes and I went too long. It's wrong with preachers. It's all happens have happened to preachers. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you this morning that while we're here in this presence, that, Lord, you want to take what you're doing us here in this corporate gathering. And, God, you want to take it into our world, into our community, to represent Jesus Christ. That, Lord, people may look on like us, as it says in Matthew 5, 16. They would look on us. They would see the way in which we act, the way in which we live, the thankfulness of heart, the change and transform life. And they would say, and they would praise our God. I pray, Lord, this week as we have opportunity to take what is sacred and bring it into the secular, I pray that we would infuse workplaces, we would infuse where we shop, where we go drink coffee, the family environments, every single environment that we step into, that we would infuse it with the sacred, that people would say, wow, there's something different. There's something about the way they live their life. There's something that is. Lord, I pray for every single person who has compartmentalised you into a portion of their life without realising what it's actually done. That this morning there'll be an awakening that, Lord, we carry you and we need to carry you in every area. You're interested in everything we do, every we act upon, every place we go, Lord you are interested in Lord we can carry our spirit and heart of worship into all of these places so that your name may be glorified in Jesus name, Amen and Amen